Help me out here. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Help Me Out Here podcast. I really appreciate you hanging out here. You might be on a drive, on a little road trip. You might be running, hiking, walking. You might be munching on some Doritos on your couch, letting a little bit of crummage spill into your belly button. I don't really know, but either way, you're loved and I don't judge you. Okay, so thanks for being here. Today on the show is an awesome dude. His name is Seth Webster. He's the bass player of a band called O Sleeper on Solid State Records. My band just went out on tour with them last month and it was great to get to know those guys. Seth is a total sweetheart um, and I'm excited that he got to be on the show. Um, Unfortunately, there is no video of the interview. We did film it, but somehow all the files got corrupted in digital chaos. I don't know what happened, but you know, All you need is the voice. He's got a beautiful, silky voice that you can just enjoy for an hour. And yeah, thank you so much for being here. If you want podcast episodes a week early, go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Zachariah Mayfield, and support the show. It would mean so much. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. We're talking about the Enneagram. Yeah, so Zach says he's a four. I am a four. I think he's a four with a three wing, but my opinion is not as important as his. Maybe even... (laughs) not important at all so the wing thing is that just the the secondary traits you have i don't know that i forget so i am fortunately friends with a couple of people that i would call gurus um but my understanding is this so you're a type and then you have a leaning towards your wing but it's more of like your personality dips into both just like you have so i'm an eight so when I'm healthy, an eight goes to two, which is the helper, which means my life is centered around what I can offer other people. Yeah. Um, I'm also a social eight, which means justice and fighting for the little guy is like the pillar of who I am as a person, which just sort of points towards the two. When I'm stressed and unhealthy, I'm a five, which means I take all of the energy of being an eight and retreat to my head and create <clears throat> doomsday scenarios. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And get further and further disconnected from everyone. But the wings, so like for an eight, the nine wing means I use my eightness to to create peace and act as a mediator. Uh, and the seven is the like, I want it to be where everybody has fun. And I feel like for me, I think that in my eightness, I feel the moments where I operate in a nine kind of capacity and where I operate in a seven. Uh, but again, I have a novice understanding of Enneagram, and so it's possible that I am misstating it, which yeah. I would love you know, love to know where I'm incorrect. But so, that's what I think about it. So for you, it, you know, I yeah, so actually, I'm, hold on. While you do that, I'll bring this up because do it. I have some resource. Ooh, yeah. I, I have my um, results screenshotted somewhere. Maybe I'll pull that up in a second. I actually did an episode going through my results. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was pretty fun. Um, people liked that one, but so I actually have a friend who I work with in his office. He's the CEO of a media company in town called dice and he's a certified Enneagram coach. Oh yeah. No, that's sick. Which is crazy. So it would be kind of fun sometime. I know he's going to be on the podcast at some point, but maybe all three of us could meet up. That would be sick. And just have him just school us in the Enneagram. Cause he's like, He's such a gentle, kind dude. Like you can tell, he has his stuff figured out. So this is the 
this app that I have, um, it says people often ask why individuals of the same Enneagram type may appear quite different from one another. Although your type remains the same throughout your lifetime, some aspects of your type may soften and also transform into strengths rather than limitations as you grow and develop. There are also cultural overlays that may occur with certain individuals, for example, overlays of culture, gender, and even those of other dominant family members. The answer can also be found in the Enneagram system itself. In addition to these subtle differences that influence how your Enneagram type manifests, though these do not change the basic architecture of your personality character, there there are also three different Enneagram-based elements that influence your thinking, feeling, and behavior wings, arrow lines, and Enneagram subtypes. So that's the general synopsis. So there's a lot of things that can influence. Sure. Well, so the thing that I described about the wings and arrows were the, if I'm an eight, my arrows are five and two, which one is strength and stress or health and stress. And then the wings are the, the two closest. So the seven and the nine. Okay. Um, and what this, I thought that it was more specific, um, But here, yeah, so like wings are the two types on either side of your core Enneagram type, and you may show some characteristics of one or both of these types. So that you just kind of like lean one way or the other. Okay. Um, Which, so like for you as a four, your your originality is what defines your worth or your your ability to feel so. My desire to be authentic. Yeah. Yeah. So totally me. But the three informs that like sometimes that is accolade base like what did i accomplish and then the five you think a lot about <laughs> about being nothing i don't know no that's um, actually pretty accurate no and the subtypes are oh, the geez. sub the subtypes are interesting because and this is something i know so very little about except as it goes in context to me so your subtype is what i described as i'm a social eight which means that my motivation is other people. Um, okay. Now, it, when I'm healthy, it looks the way it's supposed to. When I'm unhealthy, it's very different. Eights. Here, keep that mic a little bit closer. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. Eights often, um, when they're unhealthy, are like tyrants and. Yeah, that's what I've heard. The eight can people. be pretty intense. Well, we're always intense. We have the most energy of all the types on the Enneagram. But the unhealthy eights. The unhealthy eights use it to. Because, so eights always come from trauma. Everybody comes from trauma, but eight's trauma is I cannot afford to be a child. I have to take control of my universe. And so for us, the way that we assert ourselves is like the most important component of who we are. When you, when you get past a certain point, you're asserting yourself can be for other people or it can be to hide that you can't deal with yourself. Mm-hmm. So th- there's there's always like a duality happening. Um, Do you feel like you're pretty healthy? There are moments that I'm really healthy, and then there are moments where I'm very unhealthy. I think. What's the What are the unhealthy things you notice? <sighs> it, well, um, if I'm so the funny thing about eights is. People assume that we want to be in control, but the reality is we just don't want to be controlled. Okay. Like yeah. I'll follow a good leader, but a good leader to me is someone that recognizes what I can do and is kind of like, go, do, yeah. do what you Utilizes do. Utilizes you, and gives you there's, freedom. There's criticism if necessary, but it's not like I don't have handcuffs. It's like <laughs> go and come back when you need to. Um, And so with that, 
the unhealthy space at the moment is, so I married a one who is also. I forget what one is. A one is the perfectionist. Okay. Lots of criticism, lots of very detailed. Do you tell her she's perfect every day? No. <laughs> well, that's the thing that's so interesting about their type is they're the most methodical of all types. They care so very deeply about the right way and what the right way is that they keep us all safe. Like ones are the reason the world hasn't imploded yet. <laughs> okay. But perfectionism is impossible. And so they have to learn to harness their inner voice or it just drives them insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with a two. No, that's, I, I mean, she's amazing. Twos are awesome. Oh, I scored. You did. Yeah. But so did I. And four plus two is six, so we have to have four. We have to have six babies. I don't know. That that's no, what I, that don't, means. I don't. That I is, hope that's not what it means. More than a, that is more than a basketball oh, team. Man. I don't know if I don't know if that's what you want to do. I'm at the I'm at the point where I can't even imagine wanting one. Me either. Yeah. And how old are you? Thirty three. Okay. Good. Well, mine comes from so again with the trauma part. My my childhood sucked pretty hard, and so I am. What sucked about your childhood? Are you, I don't think. You told me any of No, this. yeah, so it's uh really quick, we should cue everybody in. You're the basis of O Sleeper. <laughs> I'm a guy that he got to talk on the podcast. Yeah, so Seth here is the bassist of a band called O Sleeper. We found out on the tour we just did together that we live in Nashville. Yeah, no, that was here. hilarious. That was well so not funny. only that, we found out when you shot the your music video. The video for yeah. a song that can't be named because it's a secret. It's not out yet. It's not. The video's done, though. It is. Have you seen it? I've seen the first cut, I think. Okay. I think, I, I think I've think i seen the near final version. Oh, I want to see it. It's insane. Because Kevin, your guys' director, I'm friends with him. He hires me to operate camera on all this, a lot of stuff. So I was super excited. I was like, okay, I get to actually meet these dudes before we go on tour with them. I was like, please don't be an idiot. Don't be don't be a fanboy or anything. And you guys were so chill. I was honestly surprised. I didn't know what to expect. What? Okay. But if you're surprised, you had some expectation. Okay. Uh, honestly, some yeah. of my expectation was a little bit of cool guy. I was like, these guys are going to be cool. They've been around forever. <laughs> they, they have people who actually listen to their music. Yeah. I was like, oh, I hope they're not cool guys. And you're all, all big and tall and, and we're not. But you guys are so chill. So but I was like, this is going to be a great tour. It's so exhausting to imagine being anything else. Oh, it would suck. Yeah. Wouldn't it suck to be too cool? Well, well, but that's what I mean. It's like it takes way more energy to project that than just be like, hey, I'm Seth. What's your favorite color? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So that's, and hey, if you want to know me in a snapshot, it's, hi, my name's Seth. What's your favorite color? <laughs> that is Seth, the eight. Yeah. The eight ball. Um, Anyway, that's probably Seth the most the fair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what were we? We prefaced something because. Well, I started talking about being married to a one. Yeah. And then you talked about two with a two and mm-hmm. how you won. And you did. And I made a bad joke about children. It wasn't necessarily bad. I mean, you know, there are those people that. I think all children are bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we were going to, you were going to start explaining something. Well, it just was that. So, understanding understanding the person that you're with is to me the most valuable component of the Enneagram, at least as far as I have utilized the discipline. Totally. But then when you meet people, it so it just like feeds itself into all these different facets. So it's like each person has a language and 
for us that live here, even though we all speak English, you'll always find that at some point in your relationship with people, the words stop me. You're like, I'm telling you exactly what <laughs> like should be said. They're hearing something but else. But you don't get it. And, and that's just kind of the reality of relationships in general. And, and you know, especially in, cro- in close quarters, like the filters start to falter or, you know, be completely gone. And you're, you're dealing with these raw thoughts and feelings and you have to find a way to communicate. And so the Enneagram is great because if you begin to see the nuances of different personality types, you can begin to learn how to speak to them effectively instead of like my wife and I actually had a conversation this afternoon (laughs) about it, but it's like, we're we're both so versed in the way that we dictate that when we do it to each other, it's just like it's two bulldozers <laughs> playing chicken. And then they crash because neither one deviates. Is it similar with your love life? <laughs> yeah. Two bulldozers playing chicken. Yeah, no, it's it's like who's going to give up? For, yeah, anyway, that gets weird fast. But, but I just, you know, as we talk to each other, if I don't <laughs> – if I don't effectively speak her language, I mean, I could have an atomic bomb in my corner and it's not going to matter. Yeah. Because it doesn't translate. I've definitely experienced the same type of thing with the Enneagram. Before that, me and Lauren would would clash on so many things because basically my type of personality, I have an obsession with authenticity and creativity Mm -hmm. and if I feel if I feel quote and quote unquote like that she's trying to take that away or attack that I'm I'll turn into an atomic bomb and I'll get super defensive but in reality she's just trying to help me in her way so with the Enneagram we've been able to kind of navigate our relationship Mm -hmm. better and actually be like okay I know your intention of what you're saying yeah so it's been a great tool it has been. Well, and so do you feel as though in that understanding you're able to be intentional when those moments come up? Yeah. See, I'm not. Well, I'm not great. I. It's like I, because of the Enneagram and my understanding of her two personality type, mm-hmm. I'll recognize certain things that she says. I'll be like, okay, this is a cue. I should act a certain way towards her, even if I don't feel it. Yeah. So it's not necessarily giving me this new sense of feeling and understanding. Mm-hmm. It's okay, by the book, this should work. And then it's my decision if I want to be prideful or yeah. lay it down and, yeah, and make you the effort. decide if you're going to lean in. Because yeah. it's nothing, a tool is nothing without effort. No, for sure. Well, and, and I like what you said about the feeling part because I, especially in our case too, it's like feelings are so important, but they're also not real. Yeah, like, it's not that they're not real in a sense of oh, you're you're this moment you're experiencing is invalid because of that, but it's the reality that like emotions are this projection so that then wild. later on you're like oh wait a minute that was ridiculous, but we do it because our body like thrusts itself forward and yeah. is like no I have to respond to this and it's like no I could have not are you- and like that's what I'm trying to learn is when my so the perfect example is like today. I'm taking my wife's car around to get an oil change and buy her new tires because wow, her, good tire, husband. her tires are bald. And <laughs> I don't know when the last time she got it, like actually got an oil change was. And if it was the last time I did it, that was way too long. 
Um, a quick 10K. God, I hope not. I try not to look at her odometer. I mean, that's a bad thing. But anyway, <laughs> right. I digress. But so I'm doing that, and she's like, oh, we're house-sitting for friends. And uh, she's like, oh, I need you to go let the dog out. I have this meeting I forgot about. And I was like, oh, well, I have an appointment. Um, I don't think I can do it. And she's like, well, you have the car. I was like, well, but I was going to bring the car back to you with the stuff that we needed from the store in it so that you could just take it back while I go do this podcast thing. And she's like, well, it's really not that much farther. <laughs> and I was like, w- what? <laughs> and so it, it turns into this whole thing. And now you have to be honest about your motives of saying things. But in that moment, my wife saying it's not that much farther is like, what you're doing today is not as important <laughs> as what I'm doing. And so you should just do this. Right. And I was like, nah, I don't know about that. But she doesn't know that you're potentially talking to like 8,000 people. Well, I mean, that... <laughs> I'm totally yeah. kidding. But, well, but to her, she's just trying to accomplish what she needs accomplished. Totally. Which that's what her language means. But to me, who the, the lie that it is at the bottom of everything is that for me as a human is I am not worthy, which eights often that's their problem is like, yeah. they're not worthy. And so any grace and compassion and kindness and <laughs> joy and all of it is like, oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough for that. And so the defense mechanism, when you're like, Oh, you know, you should just do it because you're you and I'm me. And I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> and all of the, you know, all the guns come out and the, you know, all that stuff. And it's like, it really didn't deserve that. Yeah. But we, you know, boundaries are so important and all those things. We, we have these misguided, you know, flare ups and we're like, no, she's got to know that like she can't do and, and Right. In the end you're like, bro, she just didn't want to have to go take the dog out. And lo and behold, 30 <laughs> minutes later, she's like, oh yeah, the lunch meeting got canceled. Oh, interesting. I was going to ask you how it resolved. Well, it resolved and you know, we rode, we rode together. I was like, well, let's have lunch together. And we rode together and talked about it and, <laughs> it, it ended up not being a thing because I was like, I wish you would just say that's not what you meant and not explain to me because when you explain, that makes me feel like you're backpedaling, makes you feel like you're lying, makes me feel like you're manipulating and none right. of those things are good. And she's like, I just wish you thought better of me. And I'm like, it's not that. Oh, yeah. I, I have, have some similar things. I have things. three decades. of Because well, uh, for everybody, it comes down to this. You have, like, I'm 33. I had three decades of, like, cognizant programming this one direction yeah and you know you, no human on the planet can walk in and be like oh you know what? we've been married for almost four years let's just go ahead and turn all this around <laughs> you know move this to put this over yeah every everything's it's like it just doesn't work that way and then sadly too our, our marriage um has my poor wife she married me <laughs> the literal black cat to her life <laughs> and has had like the, like the worst stuff that's happened to her has happened while we've been married. Dang. Which she says she's grateful for me being there. I feel like it's all my, I'm kidding. I don't think it's my, fault, but, <laughs> I was going to say, you but so it's just not. one of those things of like you, you don't think about in life too, but where the Enneagram type understanding helps out is, and it, it to me is the most valuable when there is stress because there is almost always stress. If you're, you know, if you're both working towards being balanced and things like that, you, you know, the ebb and flow, you, I feel like you experience the peaceful times in a much better way. Yeah. But most of life is like something is stressing you out. And, and if that informs your partner that like, this isn't about me, they feel this way because of X, Y, Z, it, it's a little easier to 
maneuver. And so for me, it's learning that too of like, I can't take everything personal. And she has the same problem. It's um, that's hard. And but the stakes are high. But like when you like when it makes sense, like when she says some crazy stuff, and I'm like, I know, I know this isn't me. Right. And like I know, like I feel it in myself. I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't need to do anything. That, but but be like, sweet, I'm sorry that your day sucked. Like, do you want me to make you some food or something like that? Which every part of that is counterintuitive to like you know even if there were people behind a glass panel watching, they'd be like, ooh, what's gonna happen next? <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, you know, just here I put I put on your show here are your PJs like I I that's so cute drew you a bath I yeah. bet you're a great husband a grusband honestly I feel, I feel <laughs> a grungeband I know well again with the not worthy thing I feel abysmal at it most of the time but the the moments of when I know that like okay I'm doing everything contrary to what my impulses are I think that it allows me to feel a sense of power that doesn't really materialize for me in any other avenue. Um, it's also fun about playing in bands because you just have like, you have a, a bit larger circle than other people do where you like really get to know people mm-hmm. and you can do things that are meaningful to them, which I, I really enjoy that. Like if I have the opportunity to know you well enough to like get the bag of chips with your sandwich, oh, you don't man. even have to tell me like, that's my jam. You're the or, angel. Or, yeah. Or like, what um when we played that venue in North Carolina and there was that like oh, beer show was that, that? Be, me m i m u r j emerge yeah, yeah. okay when we yeah. played that show because we got there late oh i forgot um, about that, that the beer parking fest was there. yeah remember the parking so Whew. parking for me was driving around for you 30 were gone minutes for a yeah. long time i had jeremy in the van with me for a while i drove around for 30 <laughs> minutes and finally stopped in that like deserted auto shop parking lot that was catty corner to the venue. Yeah. And I, I called the police. I was like, Hey, oh well, goodness. non-emergency line, right. but it's I called just, the police. It's I was funny like, you had to go hey, that far. I'm, uh, I'm in a band. We're playing a venue here. No one gave us the heads up on this beer fest thing happening. Um, they don't have parking for us. Like I saw some, some state buildings, you know, five, six blocks away. Like, is there anything special with those? Like if I park there or that, you know, and he's like, well, the state police control those. So here's the number to to talk to them. But, you know, I, I think that you'll be fine parking there. And so oh, I cool. called the state police homie and they said the same thing. They're like, yeah, all state buildings are free parking on the weekends. I think it was a Saturday. Nice. And so I went and parked like it was cool. I found a lamppost. Um, so it was like. Locked all the doors, blah, blah, blah. But I brought everybody their stage clothes. Like some people asked me for specific things, but I just like, I looked in the van. I was like, he'll need this. He'll need this. He'll need this. I like Zach's suitcase ended up being like the front passenger seat. So like I folded all his clothes. I just, I was oh, like, man, it's today's been so crazy that it's just make me feel so much better to like fold everybody's stuff. And like, we have, we have things set up for people to sleep on in the van that I like moved around and, and made like, this is where this is supposed to go. Cool. And that makes me feel awesome. And then when I took, when I took everything in, they, they were already like, dude, thank you so much for taking care of the parking for us. And I told them what I did and they were like, Whoa, we wouldn't have thought of that. And then <laughs> that I'd brought everybody their stage clothes. They were just like, Whoa. And it probably boosted the whole band. I hope that it did, but I just knew what it did for me. Like I was like, I'm pulling my weight. And how much extra time do you think it took to do that? 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes and you. And I remind myself, especially 
in in the the being married thing, I remind myself of that all the time. Like being nice requires almost zero effort. Yeah. You just have to think about it. Yeah. And then I was going to ask you, so do you think since you're actually married, I'm not. I can ask you, are there real comparisons between being married and being in a band? Yeah. Except being in a band, there are like for me there are three other personalities. Yeah, three. So and well, four when you have a crew member. Yeah, and I feel like it's such a great test of of that because even in like inherently you begin to understand that like this one's going to need space, this one's going to need this. If mm-hmm. this one's having a bad day, this is what I can do or say or you know like the love language thing is just another good thought process to have in mind because you start to understand like if I tell this guy something encouraging, it really makes his day. If I do something for this guy, it makes his day. Whereas you could swip, you know, you could flip them. Yep. This guy's like, why'd you bring me a sandwich? I, <laughs> why, are you, I why are you telling me you love the, me? You know, yeah. It's like, and, and those things happen and you're like, Ugh. but if you, you know, if you take an academic kind of approach to it, you, you can learn or, and even that, like how to get in a fight with dudes you're in a band with, like, how do I argue well with this guy instead of it turning into something absolutely ridiculous? Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't that wild? How we all and react f- differently. And for me, it's so crazy too, because I'm st- like, I've, I'm still new with them. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's true. How and many tours have you done? Do you we've, know? We've done three counting the one we just did. Um, it's been a little under a year, but like, that's a huge, huge thing. Even maybe more important than to learn how to be nice to them is like, how do we deal with conflict in a constructive way so that we can avoid it in the future and, you know, treating everybody respectfully. Yeah. Because if we know anything about band dudes, <laughs> they're not normally like super articulate and, and you know, get come me right that thing. You, yeah. Or, or, you know, it's just like they're moody and you're just, we're like, very moody. We're and, creative and you can exactly, but you can, you can spin that of where it's interesting. You can spin that of where you're like, Oh, good Lord, get over it. You know, I remember the first, <laughs> the first sign band I was in was called before there was Rosalind. And we did our first like real tour was a full American thing. And it was two months long, which already that's way long is way long. And that's your first real tour. So our first real tour. We're on victory records. What's the band called? Before there was Roslyn. Before there was Roslyn. Who's Roslyn? Roslyn. Where'd so she go? In the story of Romeo and Juliet, Romeo's all about this girl, Roslyn. Oh, dang. And then he sees Juliet. Oh, see ya, Rosalind. Yeah, but what's crazy about that, and I think uh, Carlos and I, the singer who named the band, talked about it. Um, and his take, and this was what I thought about it too, is like Romeo's life would have been completely different if he had just stayed with Rosalind. Probably just, would have been alive. Yeah. A little longer. His story would have been like <laughs> the the long life he had and his kids. And, Something fulfilling. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's just interesting. And and he took that and the metaphor is like, remember your first love, da-da-da-da-da, which is such a, a cool thought. But um, so we did this Keep tour. that mic close. Sorry. There you go. No, you're okay. You're a good boy. I think you're talking loud enough where it's fine. Yeah. And I'm going to compress everything, but. You're getting, I understand. Just a reminder. So that tour was super long. In that tour. <laughs> This is the fun part. <laughs> two months. <laughs> so it's two months long. We we get our we get our tour support. We do all that stuff, and almost immediately, 
we have to like stop every every town and get the rear seal repacked. Oh, because gosh. it's leaking oil. Oh my goodness! Um, for two months. For well, so I want to say so within the first two weeks, we're driving in between Oklahoma and Dallas. Your memory is impeccable. Holy it, cow! Well, I tried. I don't remember to, where we just went on tour. I tried, <laughs> I tried to keep a journal, and I don't do drugs. Um, <laughs> That's good. But. Uh, it's so funny. It was Davis, Oklahoma. Okay. We just found out that Jeez. the three Texas shows we had, they were all like, it was, uh, I think it was Dallas, um, where Art Ambush was. I always forget the name. I don't know. Austin, it's San Antonio. In between, San, no. San Jose. Wait, that's not in Texas. Well, as you compliment my memory, it's there's bad. A lot, there's a lot of sand. There, there was a venue called Art Ambush that was in between... Austin and Dallas. So it was going to be Dallas, this place, and then Austin, or this place, and then Houston, or something like that. But they all canceled because of this crazy storm. Oh, okay. Jeez. Um, Do you know how, what year that was by chance? 2012? 2011. Okay. I was just about to leave high school. It was early 2011. Yeah, so we're doing that, and and so we're in between these two places. And I am literally reading in Matthew where it talks about like the birds don't think about what they're going to eat or where they're going to live. Yeah. And I'm over top of the rear seal and I feel it go, Oh, disconnect. Disconnect. So the, the ass end of our van just drops into the ground. Sparks are flying. The guy driving's. Do you have a trailer? Yeah. The guy driving, it pulls over. We end up having to pick the trailer up and move it off the road as we get out of the van, the rear seal explodes and uh, the connection joint yeah. slings out the back into the trailer like a bullet. Oh, my And God. then the bottom catches fire. I <laughs> see the fire, grab the three liter of Mountain Dew that we have. <laughs> Shake it up and and open it to spray out the fire, which I was able to do successfully. No way! And we're just standing on the side of the road, like that is bad. Wow, this is what's happening, and it <laughs> it just was like we we called the wrecker, who ended up being this really cool guy who we named a song after on an EP that never saw the light of day. Sadly, um, what's the song called? Is it still out in the world where people can find it? I I, I can't remember it, John. It's probably called John Rosalini the, or something. No, it's called John from the town of Davis or something like that. Okay, cool. He just was this good old boy. Like as when I called him and he got there because of the van, the state of the van, he had to tow the van and then tow the trailer. Oh, which man. in terms of the work would have been like five hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean that's two separate He'd, vehicles. He he did it for a hundred. Wow. And then with the with some of the hundred that we got him, bought us dinner, helped us get a discount on the room that we were in because it was Super Bowl Sunday. Oh my god. And because of the storm, like we went to the grocery store and it was what people do when they think they're gonna be without, they buy all the bread and milk. <laughs> Go stock up. So like we just were cramped in this hotel room. We called um we called our buddy Bryce, who was in a band called Between Two Seas. I think he lived in right outside of Chattanooga, like right on the Tennessee line. Mm -hmm. um, and he, no, he's from Dalton. Dalton. You're uh, good at these the yeah. city And thing. so he, we called him and we were like, dude, we're stranded. <laughs> 
can we like rent your van from you? Hey, also, do you want to play guitar in our band? <laughs> and he said yes. What? Yeah, he said that yes. That dude had nothing he, going on. No, he he did. He's Bryce is still like one of the best singers I've ever played with. That's and so he, cool. He's like a salesman and rides mountain bikes on the weekends. But he drove 13 hours to meet us. Learned oh our songs. My. It gets better, I promise. Learned our songs, played two shows. And this is really sad, but his his father uh, his father got in an accident and passed away. Like right after like that? Like right after that. Oh, my god! And so then he flies home, does a funeral. We finish the tour. So, like, I said all that story to say by the end of the tour, there was one guy in particular that was real mopey. And like down in the band, in the band. And he like at the beginning of the tour told me that he, before I could be in the band, like he had to know that I could deal with the road. <laughs> and I just was like, it was, it was really bad, but I had to admit to the singer, we were sitting outside a festival in Las Cruces. And I was like, dude, I just want an excuse to fight him. And he was like, <laughs> what are you talking? I was like, dude, I can't, I can't deal with it anymore, man. Like, and he just was like, Think about all that's happened to us. You just got to let it go. Yeah. This dude to this day is still one of my best friends. But it just at that time, it's like you get pushed to your limits. I mean, that, you know, fortunately. You were 10 years younger. Yeah. Fortunately, that kind of drama doesn't happen. I mean, that was a once in a lifetime kind of experience. But you, that was the precursor for like, okay, like I got to know my dudes. Like I got to understand because there's no telling what can happen to us, to them. And it's not fair. It's not fair to hold them to the standard of like life's happening, you know, punching you square in the face. Everybody's you're just broke. Like, you're just supposed to, yeah, exactly. You're just supposed to hang out. It's like, well, we didn't do what we thought we'd do. How are we going to pay rent? I mean, those are struggles that we've all known forever that, that are, that are outside of the person. Yeah. And they feel it because it's like, what am I going to do? But it's not on you. And then in those moments when you like take it personally, you're like, well, you know, I'm trying to have a good time. It's like, well, okay. Yeah, I get that. But like feel for your dude a little bit that like yeah. he's, he's going through something that maybe you're not because you still live at home or, you know, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. the thing is. And, and all of that to take it back to the Enneagram, young Seth had no idea. And so he, you know, I'd get all mad. I'd be like, you're the you, doomsday. You eight. just got, you just got to like, you just got to pick yourself up, you know? Cause that's, yeah. that's like our commentary is like, we're just, we'll survive. Mm -hmm. Well, not everybody lives that way. And thank God, because we would be the dreariest society ever. Be tough. But no, it's a facade. <laughs> we're really giant. We're softies encased in a hard chocolate Gotta, shell. Yeah. You try to harden yourself to appear stronger. Maybe that's very interesting. Yeah. Can I tell you my first impressions of you? Yeah, no, I... Ugh. Okay, so the very first time I ever saw you in the flesh was Creation Fest. Yeah. Two years ago, I think. Mm-hmm, probably. It was that Wednesday night that we got stuck playing. You would know what day of the week yeah. it is. Well, I remember it because we, we were happy to headline, but when we got there, we were like, this doesn't start until Friday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what, gonna that's be what we're doing. It turned out to be a good crowd for you guys. It was. I sold a hundred and you would. We sold. <laughs> we sold a hundred. Yeah, because it was like it's still my it's still my record. I think between me and and the people at the booth, we sold a hundred and eight copies of our EP that we. Oh put out. wow! I did eighty of those myself. 
Dang, that's really good for selling them. People. I mean, physical sales. Are yeah, my going so down. Shane Shane Kelly, the owner of Cardigan Records, told me that he'd kiss me on the mouth the next time <laughs> he saw me. He still hasn't done it. You got to find him. No, he lives in North. Ca- he was supposed to come out to the Emerge show, but his, he was nervous about the kiss. His little, no, his little baby was sick. Um, um, but a yeah, different, I guess. So, okay, first impression. Sorry. So to, yeah, I I, it. we we played early in the day as mm-hmm. as small bands do. Yeah, and you guys are headlining. And I see this guy on stage. He's got long curly hair, playing bass in that band, right? You played mm-hmm. bass, and he had Jordans on. And I was I like, didn't. I had "You didn't bu- have Jordans I had on." Buzz Lightyear Vans on. <laughs> oh yeah, I knew there was something ridiculous. Yeah, they were. I was like, "This guy." I like shoes. <laughs> I was like, "This guy's kind of a turd." This band's pretty good. Whatever. Didn't think anything of it because I don't even think we talked then. I think we we talked in passing. I'm more talked to Jeremy because yeah, he, he's a little more talkative. Yeah, Jeremy's really good at just reaching out to everybody. Mm-hmm. But then we end up playing this festival together in Dallas. Remember at that, what's that, the venue with the super tall stage? Oh, no, that was... The so, Rail that Club? That was So What Fest. No, we didn't play the Rail Club. Wasn't that in Deep Ellum when So What Fest and you just played the same room as us? Or was it at the Rail Club? I think we played the Rail It's the super tall stage. We all parked in the back parking lot. Emery was there. You guys were there. Oh, then yeah, it was. It was Fort Worth. Well, so that was when I was playing with those sleeper not to speak of wolves. Right. Yeah. This I'm talking about the next time I saw. Oh you. yeah. Okay. So I hadn't. I didn't see you at all until this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know you that well. I had. I never thought you would know who I am or remember me or anything. Um, and maybe you didn't. But you guys are playing. Okay. So rewind a little bit. I, right before that show, I got in the gnarliest car accident. Insane. Oh, no. I flipped my car. I was on my phone. Mm-hmm. I flipped my car upside down in about like a, I don't know, like a 30-foot ditch. It was insane. Should not should not have lived. Whoa. But I, I had some damage to my collarbone and like blood on oh, my face. Like Just I like some lacerations. But basically, at that show, we, we like said something on stage because I like could not move very well. And he's like, hey, our, our guitar player's got an accident, so go easy on him or something. And you must have heard, because towards the end of your set, I'm standing side stage, like on the left of Zach, watching you guys. I'm behind you. And like in this break of one of your songs, you play this open note, and you come over to me, and you like grab my head and put our foreheads together, and you, you're like, dude, I'm so glad that you're okay from that car accident. I'm so glad you guys are here. And then you went back to playing. I and I like remember. cried on stage while you guys finished that song. I was like, I gotta leave. I don't remember that at all. Dude, it was the like so awesome. And after that, I was like, that's the coolest dude ever. I should not have judged his Buzz Lightyear <laughs> shoes. <laughs> this dude rules. Wow. So that was my rounded impression of you. Well, thanks. <laughs> I deserved the, the turd impression at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that. Yeah, the Toy Story 4 is on. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I loved those because they said Andy on the bottom. Oh, that's cool. And if you bought the Buzz Lightyear ones, the N was the right way. And if you bought the Woody ones, the N was backwards, like Aww, in the movie. That's cute. And so another thing that's that's funny about the eight is eightness to get to healthy is to try to reconnect with your childhood. Interesting. And so, I I did it kind of naturally, but the thing that it made me think of going with as a human was I love the stuff that I love. I love the cartoons that I watched as a kid. I love cartoons now. How to Train Your Dragon. I just got two of those. They're they're my favorite I'm so excited to watch them. They're 
they will never disappoint you. Okay, good. Um, and and so it's funny that you didn't like me because of my <laughs> shoes. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? I would have more thought that, so my stage presence in To Speak of Wolves was like all of the ridiculous components of my personality embodied. Mm-hmm. Like Gage and I would beat each other up. He'd drag me around the stage by my hair. I was laughing when we played FUBAR on this last tour because the time before that that we played, I sidekicked him across the <laughs> stage. Um, and so it was just like way, like way overconfident. Way, like that I was, probably saw your confidence and – I, I try to be confident, so I think sometimes I get intimidated by people who are super confident. So I'm like, oh, who's, yeah. this, who's this guy? Well, and, and it's funny because it's a projection. That's right. Who, totally. When, who I was up there was who I wanted to be, and it was like, mm. you got to you gotta deal with me. I have a microphone. I have this stage. <laughs> you're in my world for the you next got the power. however much. And it's funny because playing with those sleeper, it takes on it takes on a different like a different lens because their music is about something else, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting as a human and, and not something that I can go back through all the bands that I played that I've, that I've been fortunate enough to play with. And, and it always kind of changes a little bit, but I'm happy I did that. I mean, those are like, so the, the thing that I said about the social eight, that moment that we had is that thing of like, I want everybody to feel as though, it matters to me that they're there. And so that's part of why I love doing merch is because I get to hear all the stories of like what the music has done for people and and what they're doing now. And, and I genuinely enjoy that. It's not like, Oh yeah, I'm listening to you. So you buy merch. It's like, no, I like, this is what gives me life. Like knowing that what I'm doing matters to the degree that it does is how I can deal with being broke. And does it, does it kind of make you want to be in the band even more because you're hearing all these stories from people of how it's impacted them, but you didn't really have a part in that writing or anything. Well, I think in to speak of wolves, the commentary ended up being very similar gauge. So much of gauges ideology started with Micah because he did merch for them before he played to speak of wolves. Oh, cool. Um, and Micah really like, mentored gauge a ton they're literally brothers like so seeing cool. them interact is hysterical <laughs> um but oh my, so so and in, in to speak of wolves that was our drive too it was like these people coming to us and saying that you know our music was used to pull them through a situation that was really dark as opposed to you know like, oh, your songs are super heavy, bro. Yeah. You know, like, which both compliments are cool, but to me, the the validity of, like, I didn't want to be alive anymore, mm. and I listened to you sing about not wanting to be alive anymore and deciding to be in this hopeful place. Wow. And that... So there's a commonality, but then with O'Sleeper, I've loved them since I heard We Are The Archers however long ago. <laughs> yeah. And I remember... Now, I told... I told another, I, I did another podcast or was talking to a friend or something. Um, but I told him the story, me, my little brother and my buddy, Justin went to Austin to see Skites airplane and inner Shikari. Okay. But it was a late show. It started at like nine. So we were walking around Austin and I saw Lucas pushing his eight ten into the red seven, which at Whoa. the time was like literally on the other side of the street from where Emo's was. We just kind of like walked up and, and around. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, are you guys playing? He's like, yeah, we're, we go on and I don't know. 
an hour or something. So we paid to get into that show, hung out, and I saw <laughs> nice. them. I saw them play, and I had only heard "We Are the Archers." Yeah. And their whole set, I just was like, oh. <laughs> just blown and away. I, and I went, and I didn't have money for merch because I was saving it for the Inner Shikari show. But I told Mike, I was like, dude, like, I was so bummed that Josh Goggin quit Norma Jean, but this music is like, this is like mm. carrying that torch. Yeah. Which musically, now that I'm older, maybe that correlate somehow, but maybe not. But Micah was super gracious and he was like, Oh man, thank you. Like that's the best compliment you could have get. He was just really nice. And it was genuine as opposed to like, cool, man. Thanks. You want to buy a shirt? Right. Yeah. Um, so and, before we talk, you're going to buy a CD. Yeah. And so to have, to have it have started there and then like gauge is one of my favorite humans. So automatically I loved Shane and Micah for the way that they treated one of my favorite people. And then now that I play music with them, it's kind of like the love that I had on the outside thrown into now that I know them even better. Yeah. Like it's just even more of like, you, you can't help but love these dudes. And Zach too. Zach's Zach is one of the most interesting people I've ever met. He's so cool. He, but, and it's like his, just the way that his brain works and everything yeah. else is like, I'm just going to listen to you talk yeah. because I want to, <laughs> I, I want to hear it, you know, like it's, I, it's really fun. I didn't get to know him super well on the tour, but from what I saw, he can go from the wildest party boy, yeah. crazy fun mm -hmm. to really dialed back and introspective and just have a really good, meaningful talk with you, mm -hmm. which I think is crazy. That's yeah. so cool. I love that. No, I don't I, know him much more. I don't know him super well, but when, he's and great. For me as a human being, I know that I don't span the same dynamic space, but I feel like it feels good to be around people that I I think that like the way that I do things, I feel like I fit in with them. Mm -hmm. And that's been so rad. Because I like I often feel like the odd man out. And I, you know, I still do to agree, which I, I think is healthy to, you know, you stay in a place of autonomy. Like I'm not just a lump in this group. It's like there's there's individual. Um but yeah, I mean they're they're such interesting guys, mm -hmm. all of them individually, that uh you know, about a year in, it's like, there's never, there's never a dull moment and like what they're reading and what they're thinking about and how they're thinking about it. And then, you know, the, the discussions and debates that we'll have in the, in the van about things is just like, I'm happy to be around people that dig as hard as they do mm. just into everything that they do. Yeah. One thing I think is so interesting. I don't know. I definitely know you the best out of all of them. Sorry. No. <laughs> Can you leave, please? Yeah. Shane, get in here. Interview him. <laughs> but one thing that I think is so cool is it seems like every member has very different beliefs. But O Sleeper, to the public eye, seems like still carries the Christian band title. But isn't isn't Shane... Shane's atheist, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we joked about it all the time. and It was really fun because yeah. I, I love joking about that kind of stuff doesn't affect well, me. And I think that, so, and they, they talked a lot about it in the, the bad Christian episode that they did. Oh, cool. I'll, I haven't listened to that one yet. So I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that, well, I'm definitely not the, the source of this, but I don't, I don't know that we fall 
it's interesting because it's like this. Micah writes about what he does, and it's impossible to misunderstand, I feel like. Right. Um, but that's kind of the beauty of what the band is because it's it's Shane and Micah interacting intellectually as, you know, brothers like they are, as all those things. And so it's just, it's like, it's frustrating to me as a fan to be like, oh, well, this band's Christian and they're not. It's like, but as you get old enough, you realize it's like nothing is that simple. No, exactly. And Ew. and so the reason yes. it's, and people are, you know, people say that like, well, it's black and white. It's like, well, okay, I don't disagree with that point. It either it is or it isn't. But what I mean when I say that it's more complex than that is like, this is a story. This isn't like an A and B dialogue. This is like a story that has so much context and subtext and all all these other things to take into account. And in, and so instead of labeling something, it's like dig in. Like if someone says that this is what they're about and you spend time on it and you're like, man, I don't know about that. That's way more valuable than just being like, well, I guess it is. And then right. the things that don't <laughs> like the things that start out not telling you what you want to hear. Well, well, why do they say that? Well, what is this? About? Because when I hear this, this is what I think. And and this is like these are the words verbatim or, or this is the metaphor, as I understand it or whatever it is. And it's like there, there's so much more validity in that way. And to me, too. So like. Most people of faith that like anything indie loved Pedro the Lion. Mm -hmm. So the Dave Bazan story is something that all of us can relate to. I'm not familiar. Well, so Dave Bazan, when in Pedro the Lion, Pedro the Lion was like this big triumph for Christian rock. Okay. And I don't know him, so this is me telling the story secondhand. Okay. But he, everybody loved his songs, even to the point now that he transitioned into not believing um, and Christians still buy his music because of his dialogue about the transformation. Okay. And so That's to me, cool. and to me, I th like he's on bad Christian all the time, but as I hear, as I've heard the things that he said and in his story, because this is a journey that's more valuable to me than the person that, I mean, think about it. Most of us that grew up in church and stuff, it was like we were 15 years old and we we're like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> and we had, most of us hadn't experienced shit. Right. Like you're a 15 year old kid. You don't know a fucking thing about anything. Yep. <laughs> and you just don't. And and that's not to demean your, you know, your, your dedication to faith at that moment. But like, that is the beginning. It's yeah. not like I'm 15 years old and I understand the universe, <laughs> but, but like we get pushed into that thing of like, well, you know, the truth now, son, you right. just got to go out and be perfect or, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> Spread and the you're a 15 year old kid. You're just like, yeah, I'll do it. And you <laughs> crash against the brick wall of your hormones and everything else. And you're just like, I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. It's a lot of guilt and, and shame. And the beginning of that idea comes along. And so like we, we get mad when, when people, people like, well, I just, I remember I had a mom cause I was, I was an associate youth pastor at a, at a mega church. Oh, look at you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I were, loved, were you paid by the uh, church? No. Did you get, oh, I was dang. a vol volunteer. Dang. <laughs> just um, doing the Lord's work. Yeah. That was, a, well, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I had, <laughs> I'm just trying to instigate things. I had, no, it's perfect. Well, so <laughs> what's great 
I, what I loved about it is how diverse the church that I went to was. And it kind of turned out, I was like, I was the only white kid. That's cool. Yeah, it was dope. And so the validity of like, because I loved hip hop, we could, we had this like common ground that turned into like, we loved hip hop and metal and that's what we did. Mm -hmm. And it was sick. Like the, the kids that, you know, came in with Kanye West and all that stuff left with Azalea dying and, Dude, and yes. under oath and Sinai beach and all the, like the stuff they'd put on in front of people that knew them and be like, what is that? Yeah. And so it was really fun. But, but this mom heard the music that we, we wrote some original stuff that we would play. And this mom heard it and came over to me and goes, you know, I just, I just think God doesn't understand that. <laughs> and bless her heart. I was like, okay, I, you know, I can, I can appreciate that. <laughs> but in my head, I was like, okay, <laughs> so who the, the deity that you believe <laughs> to be the creator of the universe Everything. Do, is, is confounded by something inside his career. You know, it just was like that moment. It's easy to make fun of, but, but I, you know, you take it a step further. It's like, that's not a rational thought inside the context of what the Christian dogma is. And so that, that beginning of like, okay, so how do I like, how do I really take on what this is? And as, as you go on and you learn more about the Bible and you learn about, you know, the, the languages that it was first translated in and all those, and, and it just kind of, it becomes a significantly more complicated thing in terms of the academia of it. And so as, you know, as, as I'm, as I am now, my thought process is a whole lot more of like, what is observable? Yeah. Like, because to me, so like I tell people all the time, the reason I'm still a Christian is because I, I believe that I've had instances of where I have encountered the Holy spirit. Yeah. And to me, that's like, that is the only validity that it has in my mind mm -hmm. outside of. And, uh, I think this might have been where Shane and I bonded. I don't know. But the way that I say it to people is like, if I die, and I find out that what I believe is incorrect, I have chosen the character that I want to live with that I feel like is valuable to other people. Yeah, that's and a good point. So, and so to me, I think that as, as opposed to trying to fight what neither side of an argument can prove, I'm just like, well, this is how I think I can be the best person that I can be, and this thing that has, I believe has impressed itself upon me. This is how I understand it. And so everything is through the filter of like, what would Jesus do here? Mm -hmm. And that sounds super cheesy and all that stuff in the context of everything else, but you take it back to that 15 year old kid and you're like, you better know every letter. You better do it. <laughs> you know, they make you read that thing in, in Matthew when Jesus says, you know, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it and not a tittle will pass away. Not a tittle, boy. And a tittle is like every single detail. I got a couple and, tittles and on so me. You, and, yeah. <laughs> and so you imagine that and you're like. <laughs> and that's all That's all you get. And and so I, I think that that part is unfair and I know why we do it. It just fear as a motivator doesn't work. No. That's and, sad. It, but it does trap a lot of people. Well, and it feels like it works. 
but it feels like it works. <laughs> but in the end, like it, it can't, it doesn't keep you in a healthy place. No. And that, and that's, you know, that's where I'm at at the moment. And I, I like going out to shows and hearing people's stories because I think that, I think that in a way, because of what the band is, it's left people some space that maybe they wouldn't have felt like they, and this is completely spitballing because again, like I'm new to this. This is just as I've observed it to this moment. But I think that even if it's subconscious, that this is a conversation that can be what on the outside looking in would be at odds in the van is really more of like, you feel respect when someone who you know does not feel the same about a group of thinking as you treats you with respect anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's the best. Yeah. Well, and it because it's like that's the most human thing we can do. And if we're honest, that's something we can do for every person because no we one should be. No two people line up on everything. How how can we? There's like you said, I mean, as we get older, all of this gets so much more complicated. Yeah. Up until probably three years ago, I was the black and white kind of guy, Christian, and and experienced so much guilt with every quote unquote sin, you know. And th- I, that's why I love being in a band. I feel like it's challenged me so much, especially in the heavy music community, traveling, meeting all these weird, wacky people like you and, and the O Sleeper guys, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> All these wacky people, you you start hearing conversation, responding, and and just learning new opinions, and you're like, oh wait, is everything I believe a sham? And then you get to deconstruct, and that's where I've been for the last couple when, of years. And I think that that like, if I had a theme for for where I'm at, I just you learn from contrast. Like if you don't have a test group, if you don't have something pushing against your thought process, like you're not really learning. You'll never see a different opinion. Well, absolutely. And so, but I think that that's what, I think that that's what church in America has become is there's the groups that like we build a glass box and we hang out in it and we point at all the infected people out of it. (laughs) And we're like, we're safe in here. All the while it's killing us to be in the box when, Mm. I mean, Jesus said we came for the sick. Like, how do you misunderstand that? Like, you know, church building a culture, allowing people to be a part of it, and then that being the way that they can kind of assimilate the character qualities that you want to have and impact the community. I love my church here because— Where do you go? Church of the City. Okay. I need to go with you sometime. Yeah, I've been going to Journey. It's been cool. Have you heard of it? Uh Uh-huh. Here in Franklin? Yes. Yes, yeah. because all sons and daughters do. Right. Worship, and they're insane. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, but like our our pastor Matt Smallbone, he's an he's, Smallbone. He's an, yeah, he's an Aussie guy. My boy. He used to play for Do you know? No, I just love his last he's, name. He's uh he he used to play bass for Michael W. Smith. Legitimately like one of the Yeah, he did. I have a story about Michael W. Smith. Okay. Really fast. Yeah. I go to this wedding uh-huh. with Lauren. It's one of her good friends. Uh-huh. I don't know a single person there. But you know him. We're at the reception. This random guy comes up. He's like, I'm gonna do a song. Gets on the keyboard. It's Michael W. Yep. Smith. Welcome to Nashville. Sharded everywhere. Yep, there yep. you go. Had to leave. Had to one of the my first, shorts. So I have a story like that too that I love to death. So when I was in To Speak of Wolves and we played um I always mess it up because funny enough, it's where I met my wife. A live fest. Uh, <laughs> wife fest. <laughs> wife fest. No, it was a live fest. And when we went to catering, the kid that we brought out to do merch for us 
walks up to Kurt Cameron. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. Walks up to Kurt Cameron Fire and goes like, proof. hey man, um, are you like from Florida? Like, I feel like I've seen you somewhere. <laughs> and we're on the table going, no, don't do it. And we we had to... We had to choke on losing our minds, like just watching him. Oh, that's and the guys so good. and the guy. So Kurt Cameron finally was like, "Well, you know, man, I have I have a TV show I'm on." You want Molly and Grant? Jake? Jake's a Hispanic guy who turned cherry red and just kind of like <laughs> moped back over to the table. Oh, poor um, guy. Yeah. So, but you know, you meet all kinds. <sighs> that's um, insanely funny. But so Matt Smallbone played for Michael W. Smith. His family is still big in music. Um, but he just like that was a thing that he said. He got here and he was like, "We gotta, we gotta dive in the community. Like, we gotta go elbows deep." And he's he's kept true to that. And so that's something that I could really appreciate about because I f- I feel like when you read Acts and you hear those stories of like what the community of that was able to do, I feel as though that's the best thing that we really have to offer because the other thing he said that, and like, there's so much freedom for me when he said this, because I like, I trust his, his observation. He's a really smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just says like, we're all going to die with bad theology. And it just was like <laughs> glass shattering Dude. in my head. And I was like, thank God. That's beautiful. Because I'm not smart enough to have good. I mean, like if you really think about it, something infinite attempting to, translate itself to something else that is not the same is it's like it's like pie i feel like it's Dude, like you're gonna get as close to the y-axis i've i've been thinking so much about this in the past year like talking about the infinite translate if god is real mm-hmm. and trying to communicate to us we're basically just a little bit smarter than bugs you know we're <laughs> we're not that cool <laughs> And if he's trying to communicate to us, maybe all of us are just trying to see God and we all learn in a different way. Like, who am I, a white American dude, to believe that that my thoughts and my beliefs are the only right way? Well, and that's That's what I just wrestle with that. I have no idea what's true. I think that that's right because culture dictates, like the culture that you are born into dictates so much of what you think about anything because really you assimilate what you're around and that's all that you can do unless you go to great lakes to rip yourself out of it and you go assimilate something else and you bring it back. And sometimes the two are married together Mm -hmm. and other times that uprooting is to completely set fire to your ties to this old thing and you, you go to what's new and and you cling to that. And And to fully get over that, even that upbringing though, like I feel like some of that would be, unforgettable. No, absolutely. You know? And when I don't mean that it's, I don't mean that you burn it to forget it. I mean that you burn it to be like, I will, there's no component of this that okay. I accept ever. Oh yeah. And, and I feel like even in our lifetimes, we've seen people that that's, that's the commentary of their life. Mm-hmm. And I understand it. And to me, <laughs> it, it, I get it. Yeah, totally. Because the worst, you know, the worst hurts that I've had have been attached to church, but I know that they're not God. They're people trying to do this thing that they're ultimately incapable of. Yeah. I think I was talking to Shane a little bit and I don't want to misquote him. So I'm not going to say much, but I believe he's experienced some sort of hurt or trauma from church as well. 
And I'm not going to say more because I want to get him on the podcast at yeah. some point to tell his side. But it just, it makes sense to me because we're all people. The mm-hmm. people, like I've been hurt by church. I mean, so many people, well, you know? I think in the beginning of the end, regardless of where people fall on who Shane is and, and what he thinks, he wrote the song Means to Believe. Mm. And if you listen to the words, I love that song. Yeah, I know. If you listen to the words, you don't hear the heart of this scathing, cynical man. You hear a guy that's literally like, I just can't. I I want to, but I can't. It doesn't make sense. Like, help me. I mean, the last line of the song, help me, please. Like, Mm -hmm. Help me out how here, do you honestly. Not, how do you not understand? Like, so I really love, I, I mean, I love all those dudes, but I really, really love Shane. Mostly because he and I's upbringing was very similar. And so like, <clears throat> and I hope that I do the same for him. But when Shane's really nice to me, which he is all the time, it means more to me because I understood that, I understand that where we come from would in, in most other avenues, like we wouldn't even be friends. Like we would, we would have had fist fights every time we were in the same room <laughs> and but, he would win <laughs> and he would destroy me. Yeah. Um, no offense. You could beat me up, but no, I, he, he his arms up. are as big as my head. He's and got he's, tree trunks for he's limbs. He's one of the most proficient. Doesn't he do some, what he is does it? Brazilian jujitsu. He, he got his blue belt. No, he got, no, not Taibo. <laughs> He got his blue belt on that tour. Zumba? But no, he he just, he is so meticulous the way that he understands things anyway, but that's how he thinks of fighting. Yeah. It's like, no, I know how to tear you apart <laughs> movement by movement, and he will. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that Shane would kill me. If- Dude, he came up to me at the very end of Zach the too, last show. Zach used to fight MMA. Zach would kill me. Oh, yeah, like, they're... You guys are all just big men. Exactly. But so the very end of tour, the Oklahoma show, uh-huh. which I think was my favorite show, mostly because we got on stage with you guys yeah, without you was... knowing. <laughs> but after that, um, Shane was like, hey, let me buy you a drink. And so we go over there and we're just chilling there. And he just casually puts his arm around my throat and like barely moves it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, start tapping out instantly. Come on. He was like, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I was like, dude, this guy could kill me with just one squeeze. His his hands, if his grip. (laughs) Oh, dude. He like, did he ever start to give you like a back rub? Oh, yeah. Well, he told me at one point that his job was to chop down trees and they didn't give him an axe. He would just squeeze the trunk and snap right through. That was Mr. Miyagi that made him do that. (laughs) No, but he as like, you can't. You can't deal with him, and it's his index finger and his thumb, and you're like, if you had your it's whole... poking through your chest. Yeah, it's like, if you had your whole <laughs> hand on my neck, I'd already be dead. Um, but he's like... I, I don't know. It's just like having him... Maybe this is too personal for the podcast. No, nothing but, have, is. but having him be accepting of me, like still as I think about it, both my playing ability because he's such an incredible musician, but just in like, we can be in the same room. Um, not that, that doesn't sound fair. I don't mean that like Shane's impossible to get. I just mean that like for me to be the kid that I was and be around those guys, I really have an appreciation for my friendship with all of them, but I have an appreciation with Shane because he 
he has he's taken our friendship on as like we're kindred spirits because we came from the same kind of place. And that kind of camaraderie is something that I have not often had and is ve- like is extremely valuable That's to me. So cool, man. I love that. And and to me it feels as though like this this getting this opportunity is absolutely the pinnacle of you know what I've done to this point. And and I think that in my my supposed maturity that my my ability to have relationships with them and even you know it's like as you get older you know you start playing with guys that are married and stuff it's like it's it's not just a dude that you have to learn to get along with but it's the women that they bring with them and every every woman excuse me that has anything to do with the band is some they're also part of the group of the most incre- you know headed the most incredible people i know and so yeah. it's just been like super super rewarding to, that's so to cool be a part. i'm so glad you got this opportunity and i i'm glad it's at this time when they're you guys are coming back full swing that's so cool what's I, the i still can't get over the story you told because i don't remember that's so funny you must have just been well it was you know not i mean to, that's a short moment well but it still is like those are things that i i pray for opportunities to be a mouthpiece because I don't, you know, I just want to be nice to people, but I don't know what different, I want to make as much of a difference as I can. And to hear that, that thing that I did in that, you know, I absolutely heard him say the story. And so to me, I just thought of it like this. If I got in a car accident and somebody else, whoever they are, I don't ever consider the, he's playing bass for us. I just think (laughs) of like, if I can go over to this person and tell them that I'm, so ecstatic that they're still here. Yeah. It meant a it lot. would it would mean it would mean a ton to me. So I'm gonna do that for them. Yeah. And they may not care and that's fine. Yeah. But I'm gonna do it because I have the opportunity to. So cool. You're a good dude. It's just yeah, that meant so much to me because I was so close to not going on that tour. Because it was two days before tour. Yeah, no, that was metal as shit that you did that. <laughs> gotta gotta show up for the boys. I totally agree. I but, tore uh, my ACL in January <laughs> yeah. and went on Well, that you tour. hurt your knee on this past I did. tour. God, I'm such an idiot. You I had, mean, it was... It, you had that tanky, clanky thing on your mm-hmm. your left leg? Yeah. Yeah. I got to get my right knee looked at. Yeah. But... Do it, man. Oh, tell it. Let's, let's end this on the story of your toenail. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, like, <laughs> my... Both my big toes have been smashed... Uh, pretty significantly. And so the toenails have grown back funky and my left one, I've been good at keeping track of it to, to clip it like right before it just like it, I feel like it just grows sideways diagonal (laughs) into the skin and I just didn't get it in enough time. And I remember realizing it when the Tampa show, um, that morning we were, we woke up at at our front of house guy, Evan's house. And I was like, I was on the porch, like digging in my toe, like trying to, and I was just like, I can't get shaving it with a knife. No, I, I, I was at the point where I was like, I have to cut my, like cut skin off my toe. Does it grow sideways into your skin? It grows. So it's like, if this is the, it just kind of starts to do this. Oh, it's got the tilty toe. Yeah. So, so when I got, and when I got in, I was like, I got to go to a podiatrist and I did today. And I was imagining that he's going to be like, oh, well, so these are the options, blah, 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 instead. And I'm grateful for this. Instead, he was like, 
So I'm going to cut this off and then we're going to put acid on it and it won't grow back. And then we're going to just, let's just cut the whole thing off. And this is the, the whole foot's got to go. Yeah, let's just cut the whole toenail off. Like this is what you can, this is the medicine that you'll put on it and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, it was funny because he was real dry and like, you came here, just listen to what I'm saying. And then I told him he was a musician and all of a sudden then we like had all this in common. He was super cool. And nice. It was great. But yeah, I had, I had my left big toenail cut off. That's great. So the whole toenail? I think I, I think I probably have like a centimeter left yeah. so that it'll... I know didn't. a lot of people experience where it will grow sideways on each side into the skin. So they'll cut into the sides and then put the acid on it so it kills the growth cells yeah, or so something. If, like I go back in a week. Um, I, I'm fortunately, <laughs> since I've lost, well, as I've <laughs> lost nails before, I don't think that I'll have that problem them growing out and the way that I did know this, the way that you combat that is you cut like a V in the middle of the nail so that it oh, grows yeah. together instead of so crazy. Well, you hope. And so it's just gonna, it's like, well, we'll give it a shot. We'll see what it does. <laughs> Let's see how um, the toe works. But out. yeah, that's, that's it. That's wild. Dude. Thanks for coming today. Thanks Man, for I still just, I can't believe <laughs> that I didn't remember that. Cause I remember all the dumb <laughs> stuff that I do, but <laughs> I thought that you know you would imagine that more thought went into that than it did, but now I'm, I mean now now I understand. I guess I guess I'll say this. I was always like, man, Zach's acting like my buddy a lot, and I like it, but I don't. It didn't seem congruent with the amount of time we hung out or whatever. And now it makes more sense, and that's fun. Not that it had to make sense, but right? All you guys were super super great. We were we're very thankful that you guys. Let a small little bunch of dorks come out with you guys. We were learning from you the whole time. <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> that makes me makes me feel happy. We we're just we want to be as efficient and effective as possible, and because we're just we're trying to make this into something, you know. Well, I feel like it is. Hope so. As as long as you put out more songs with four out the four on the floor <laughs> verses, I think we'll be fine. Oh, we're gonna get some four on the floor verses. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, okay. those are fun. Well, um, be- before we go, uh, just let people know where to find your stuff, like Oat Sleeper stuff, anything you want people to find. Um, so we're still, I think we're still working to have a website up. So you can go to Facebook. It's just Facebook backslash Oat Sleeper. Instagram TX. is Oat Sleeper too. TX Instagram, or- yeah, Oat Sleeper TX. Um, all the and- tour dates should happen. We just announced today uh, in August, I think starting the... F- let me look at it. Yeah. Starting the 15th, I think we're doing, I believe it's the second half of Hawthorne Heights and Emory's 15, 15 year reunion, mm-hmm. not reunion. I'm sorry. Uh, 15 year anniversary of the silence in black and white and the week's end it is. And it starts August 15th in Santa Cruz for us. They will have already been on tour, I believe. Um, that's yeah, awesome. So we'll do a bunch of West Coast dates. Nice. And uh and we'll hit Texas again. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. The new record is coming out July twelfth. July twelfth. Bloodied Unbowed. Uh Facebook will also have the pre order deets when they come out. You and got a music video coming. I was great. Sometimes blessed with the opportunity to work on that. Yeah, he did. Appreciate he, that. He filmed us. Um yeah, I'm not I'm not sure about that stuff. Uh but it will all be happening soon. Cool. Whatever is going to happen. Oh, you can listen to Decimation and Burial on Spotify. On Spotify. Yeah. And, follow them on and Spotify. Apple that's, Music. Yeah, follow that's us. That's becoming on the next MySpace.
I think. I think it, you know, it's so interesting too. Uh, I was listening to while she sleeps new record today and they like, if you put it on the play screen, like people are starting to have like animated stuff. Yeah. There's videos that will play with songs now. That's so cool. You can put music videos on there too, yeah. which is crazy. Look at Spotify now and what they're doing. I think it's going to become something really awesome for bands because you can do tour dates and stuff in there too now. And buy tickets and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. They know what they're doing over they there. They do. They're going to figure Isn't it out. Isn't it? In, I think it's in Sweden. I don't remember. Who anyway. Knows? People are smart and do cool things. Very cool. And it helps us if you follow our bands. Yes. So he's a no sleeper. I'm in Earth Groans. Thank you so much to my patrons. I got, I got about 40, 42 patrons Ooh. that support this show, which is awesome. And that helps me keep doing this and get awesome people like you over here because I'm paying you like 2000 to be here. Yeah, yeah. Which is well, wild. So to, to pay me that if you want. <laughs> um, no, you can follow me anywhere at Webster Happens. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr. Tumblr? <laughs> yeah, no, I cover all bases. Attaboy. I even have a Zanga. No, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't I'm not on Zanga. Uh, yeah, you can follow me there if you want. Um, I, I too may try my hand at this podcast thing. So I think you you'd like, be good. If you like what you hear. We can cross podcast we paths. cross-pollinate podcasts. And I can help you with any video stuff. Yeah, no, you are going to do that. But if you follow me there and you think you'd like to hear me talk more often, uh, just drop me a line and let me know, and I will take it under advisement. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thank you. Cheers, brother. Cheers. That's it. That's the show. How much how much time did we spend? Let's see. Uh hour 18. Ooh, That's beautiful. I wanted to go for the